ברשות, ראש כולל, ברשות רבנים חשובים, אברכים, יקרים, ברשות נשים צדקניות, and friends and supporters of the enterprise and network of B'nai Torah, Kol Torah Shelema. I think it is very appropriate that we get together on Hanukkah in such a, such a format that I'm not used to. Yes, I'm used to coming to a lot of dinners, but usually the dinners begin in the ballroom and it begins with dinner. And uh, tonight I was pleasantly surprised that it began with food for the soul and then only then followed by the, uh, the physical I think this is a, a, great, a great precedent and a great uh, idea that I think should be followed by many yeshivas. After all, Hanukkah is not about the physical. Hanukkah is about the spiritual and should be celebrated primarily in a spiritual way. So Hazako Baruch, I'm quite impressed by what I uh, witnessed on the way in. Avrechim and Ba'alebatim sitting before a dinner, before a banquet, as if they're sitting in second seder or night seder learning. But what even gets me more surprised and excited is to watch the promo. Again, it's uh, something that I'm commonly uh, subject to, having to watch, I don't watch movies, but I have to watch these promos when I come to the dinners, and it's usually the same old, same old. It's uh, seven or eight minutes and everybody's saying why the place is so good and why you should give the money and they interview different type of people and uh, basically it's a sales pitch. And tonight, we have a promo where they're not selling anything. There's a, a great rabbi giving a shiur klali on matanat hinam and lo tichonim. And uh, delving into the shitot of the rishonim and... I mean, creating a mahlokit between the Ramban and the Tosfot and finding a nafkaminan in Chot Pesach. I mean, I never saw this before. It's something incredible. And nobody's, nobody walked out. Nobody stayed. <laughs> so, uh, I feel at home over here, to be honest with you. This is, uh, this is a good crowd. This is a sophisticated crowd of B'nai Torah, B'nai Aliyah. This is the modern day Hashmonaim, the Shimon Zayed Zach. You people are not only a quantitative, as the rabbi said, with all that mathematical computation he made, but it's quality that we're talking about over here. This is Shimon Zayed Zach. This is a qualitative oil that we have of people that are very, very proud of learning and are not, are not ashamed at all to change the program. To change uh, what a video is supposed to look like, to change what a dinner is supposed to look like. I'm very, very excited that uh, you are trailblazers and you are moving the, the Torah world and its accepted uh, values and you're moving it into a more Torah direction. So, Ashrechim, Ashrechim, and I'm very, very, very happy with, um, with this format. Now, what am I going to tell you that you don't know already? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I cannot start coming to tell you uh, parables from the Megid Meduvna. I think this crowd is a little, uh, 
more advanced. So if you'll allow me to say Hanukkah Torah, and Hanukkah Torah usually, I mean, doesn't usually begin with Lot Tehonem, it usually begins with the question of the Bet Yosef. Uh, I will go directly to Hanukkah, I won't have to go make a, uh, you know, the long route to get back to it. I'll take the direct route and go straight to the Bet Yosef's question. And everybody knows it, but just for, you know, if somebody's listening to it and wants to understand what's the Bet Yosef's question, which really is the Tosfot Arosh's question. It's a question of Rishonim, but for some reason we give the Bet Yosef the credit. He says, we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days. Everybody knows, the Gemara Shabbat Chaf Aleph. They went in, they found a jug of oil. According to our Girsah, and there was enough for one day. And then a uh, miracle happened that it, it increased and it lasted for eight days. So the Beit Yosef asks, fine, it's a miracle, but the first day they had enough oil. So there was no miracle on the first day. The miracle was on the subsequent seven days. So why is it an eight-day holiday? It should be a seven-day holiday. What was the miracle that we're commemorating on the first day? And he gives three answers, actually, Many years ago when I was at Avrech, somebody gave me a sefer called Ner Lemeah, which has a hundred answers to this question. And recently somebody gave me a sefer that has 500 answers to this question. It seems whatever you say is an answer. Well, I, didn't, I don't have the time to give you the hundred answers. And uh, there's a lab that says, Lot Tahsom Shor that when a person is about to eat, you're not allowed to muzzle them. And I don't want, that's Samisudoraita as well. And I don't want to be overt on that. I cannot compete against dinner. But uh, Tibet Yosef has a couple of answers, three answers to be exact. So his first answer is that the miracle on the first night was is that they only lit an eighth of the oil. And therefore, for an eighth of oil to last the whole night is a supernatural miracle. And all the rabbis jump on the Beit Yosef and they say, what are you talking about? They had no right to put an eighth of the oil in the, in the Ner uh, relying on a miracle. And what they should have done was put the whole oil in and it's God's business. It's not up to us to decide to do the mitzvah in a compromised manner. So how could the Beit Yosef come along and say they only put an eighth? So there's different approaches to this. Some say, well, the Hashmonim were confident that a miracle was going to happen because they found the Pach, and that was already the opening of the miracle. And they saw that the direction was headed into miraculous mode because the Ibanim were going out of their way to defile and contaminate all the oil. And for the fact that they missed this one Pach was God's way of saying, miracle. So they knew it was miracle oil. Once they knew already, they had an indication. There was a Gilui already from heaven that this is special oil because the miracle already happened to it once. And therefore, uh, just like mitzvah gorer et mitzvah, nes gorer nes, and therefore they were confident that it's going to last. So that would be one yeshuv. Another yeshuv might be that maybe when the Beit Yosef says that they lit an eighth a night, means they put the whole oil in, like the Tosfot Arosh actually says, they didn't rely on the miracle, they put all the oil in the first night, and only one eighth was consumed. So therefore, there was a miracle on the first night because of the small quantity that lasted the whole night. And every single subsequent night, another eighth was consumed. 
which actually the Maharsha in Shabbat, which you know already, uses this way of understanding the Bet Yosef to explain the opinion of Bet Shammai. Not that we follow Bet Shammai, but you have to understand Bet Shammai. You can't reject him, he's a Tanah. Bet Shammai says the way we like this, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, you go down, you descend. What's the logic in that? So the Maharsha says, well, if you want to commemorate the miracle, the first night there were eight-eighths of oil. Then the second night there were seven-eighths left, and then six-eighths, and then five-eighths. So the miracle happened in the descending way, according to the first answer of the Bet Yosef. So Bet Shammai then chose to commemorate uh, the way the miracle happened. Fine. And then we have the second two answers of the Bet Yosef. And they are basically the same. First, the second answer he says is that when they emptied the pach completely into the nerot, the next morning the pach was full. Like the, uh, like the ara of Baba Sali, you know, when you keep on pouring it, but it doesn't empty. So that was a miracle because the, 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 the pach remained full the first night. And then the second answer he says is, or the third answer is that not the pach, but the actual menorah remained full. So the question is where to remain full, in the Pach or in the, in, the, in the Menorah, but nonetheless the oil did not get consumed whatsoever, so there was a miracle retroactively on the first night as well. Very nice, now you know the three answers of the Beit Yosef. The problem is, there was a great rabbi called the Pri Hadash, Rabbi Haskel de Silva, and he was known to question the rulings of Rabbi Yosef Karo, that was the basis of the Prihadash. The Prihadash's book was written to challenge Shohan Aruch, Rabbi Yosef Karo. Of course, many rabbis would come after to defend Shohan Aruch from the attacks of the Prihadash. Or Rahim HaKadosh, Rabbi Ben Atar, wrote a sefer called Prito'ar in order to defend Shohan Aruch from the questions of the Prihadash. Anyway, the Prihadash says, Hacham uh, Bet Yosef, you tried to answer the question, but what you did basically is you just shifted the question from the first day of Hanukkah to the last day because by saying that, there was a miracle that the oil remained in the menorah. So the first night, there was a miracle. When they came back the next morning, there was oil there. But on the last night, there was no miracle because they had oil for the last night now. So now the question is, instead of why is the first night miraculous, now you can ask the question why the... Last night is miraculous. So what did you do? You just shifted the, shifted the question from day one to day eight. That's the Pihadash's question. And now I start what I came to talk about. No, that's just the Hagdamaha. So the Prihadash says, oh, I'm going to tell you a big Hiddush, and it's a big Hiddush. He says, you're right, Bet Yosef. There was no miracle on the first night with the oil. They had enough. And guess what, says Prihadash. On the first night, we're not commemorating the miracle of the oil, because there was no miracle of the oil. Ah, you're going to ask me what you're lighting the menorah? So why are you lighting the menorah for if there was no miracle? Because we're commemorating something else. A different miracle. And what might that be? The war. You have to remember, there's two things that happen on Hanukkah that you must keep in your mind. There's the miracle of the oil, which is the menorah related, and then you have the victory that happened on the battlefield. The uh, small amount of Hashmonaim who were un, 
uh, skilled in war. I'd like to make that point. Uh, these were weak people. They were not strong. Uh, I think the, um, the picture books do a disservice to our children when they show uh, mighty Maccabees. My Sidur says that they were halashim. Halashim means they were weak and they were not uh, skilled at war. These were avreche kolel that were called out of the yeshiva to go fight. Now, a bunch of avrechim here tonight will all admit that you know, we might be able to fight milchamtash el Torah, but a conventional war on a battlefield, none of us have any experience. Well, what does an avrech to do? Throw a hot cup of coffee on the enemy? What, 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 what does he know how to do exactly in that in that environment, we don't know. We know nothing, and that was the miracle, and that's a stunning miracle. I mean, that's that's just as amazing as the miracle of the Pachshemen. And says the Prihadash, so on the first night of Hanukkah, that's what we're commemorating. So it's a point if you follow the Prihadash when you gather around the menorah the first night, you have to tell the kids, why are we lighting the menorah, kids? Oh, because they found Padana wrong. Nothing to do with the Shemen. What are you talking about? It's the war. We won the war. Now tonight, which is the second night, when you lit the menorah, you call the kids again. Oh, kids, why are we lighting the menorah? Okay, we know, Daddy, because of the war. No, you're wrong again. The war was last night. Oh, so what's tonight? Tonight is the oil. So Prihadash has two different kavanot. It's interesting. If you look at the Eliyahu Rabbah, he quotes a custom of the Maharshal. Maharshal on the second night of Hanukkah used to buy a new menorah. And uh, that gave him the ability to make a shechiyanu on the menorah. And the Yaudabah wants to understand, you know, what, what's this new menhag? You buy? If you want to buy a new menorah, you would assume you'd get it on the first night. Well, why would you wait for the second night? So he says, because he wanted to follow the pre-Hadash. So on the first night he made Shekhiyanu, because the first night you make Shekhiyanu, his Kavanah was for the war. And the second night he wanted to make Shekhiyanu for the nest of the Shemen, he can't make Shekhiyanu. So he, he found a way. He got a new, uh, a new menorah, or today he'd buy a new suit, or a new, uh, a new garment, he can make Shekhiyanu on the second night. So you see, that's just to show you that it's two separate reasons. All right, very nice. Nice prihadash. I have a question on the prihadash, if I may ask. I mean, I love what he says. You're commemorating the war. He actually, I mean, we have Avrechim here, so I might as well tell you his proof. He brings a proof to say, and I'll show you I'm right. And he believes that this proof is, you know, you, you, you can't break it. I'll show you that the first night of Hanukkah is all about the war. He says, because when did they finish fighting the war? Hanukkah is Hanukkah. So the war ended on the 25th of Kislev, and he says, let's speak it out. That means the 25th of Kislev, they won the war, now they get back to the Beit HaMikdash, and they're going to light the menorah. Now when did they light the menorah at the time of Hanukkah? Well, the night of the 25th, which is already the 26th. The war was over on the 25th. By the time they lit the menorah, it was the next day. It was the night. Let's say the war ended on a Tuesday. So by the time they got to the Beit HaMikdash, they lit the menorah Tuesday night. Tuesday night is the 26th. It's the next day. 
So the Pri Hadash says, if in the times of the miracle they lit on the 26th, why are we lighting on the 25th then? Why are we lighting a day early? The Pri Hadash says, because we're commemorating the war. That's Hanukkah. So the first night, the fact that we're lighting a day early than they lit must be because it's a different reason. Okay, I end Sham. But now I get to my question. Prihadash, I accept. Want to tell me the first night is the war, and I agree that there should be some sort of commemoration. But how is lighting the menorah a commemoration of winning the war? I have no problem. You want to tell me the war, the first night, everybody should get a bow and arrow. The kids should get guns like we get on Purim. And everybody dress up like uh, warriors. And we'll go outside and we'll shoot arrows like two, like uh, Baomer into the sky. And we'll shoot our, uh, our BB guns, whatever you want to do. And somebody, what are you doing? Uh, we're making, uh, you know, damage. go to the zoo and show your kids an elephant. And say, this is the elephants at the Maccabeem. They sat on the elephants and they went to war. And there's many ways we could commemorate war. Why is lighting a menorah the vehicle that they chose for this commemoration? It's a very strong question, I believe. I just have one more question, if I may. We do have uh, an Alanisim in the Amidah. I think this is a very important observation what I'm making. In the Bimim Matitya. So there it talks about the war. And uh, we went out, and there was Rabim Biyad Me'atim, and Gibori Biyad Halashim, as was said, Zedim Biyad Oskia We were outnumbered, we were outmatched, and Nes happened. And then what does it say? Ve'aharkach, and afterwards, they went to the Beit HaMikdash, they cleaned it up, and they lit, they lit the menorah. Now, I mean, I could not find in the entire Sidur any misrepresentation and downplaying of such a great event you mean to me that's what it comes down to? That, and afterwards, uh, just as a side point, uh, they went to the Beit HaMikdash and they, uh, they let the menorah. Hold it, hold it. That, that's all it is? I mean, it, it, talking about taking the most dramatic part of Hanukkah, which is the Nerot, the Nest, the Shemen, and we put it as like a, and afterwards, they went to the Beit HaMikdash and they lit the menorah, and, you know, and everybody lived happily ever after. I mean, if it was up to me, if the Sidur is not interested in writing the story with the right emotion, then don't write it. Leave that part. Obviously, the Sidur was already done with the story. They had to add that in. So don't add it. I mean, it's better not to tell the story at all than to tell it wrong. Or to tell it without the right, you know, feeling and emotion. Is that all the story was? And the Aharkach and afterwards they went to the Beit and lit the menorah. That's like saying, you know, on the seventh day of Pesach, you know, the Jews went and the sea split and they walked across it. Oh yeah, that's that's never They walk in the park and then and then they left. I think it misrepresents the, 
the, uh, the story. I'd like to say a big Hiddush now. And this gets to the lesson of the night. What exactly was this war that we were fighting against the Greeks? It wasn't a physical war as was mentioned. They had no problem with Jews. They weren't looking to annihilate us like many of our enemies were. They were looking to assimilate us. Now to assimilate us you need Jews to be alive. They had nothing against the Jew itself. They had a problem with our beliefs, with our values. And our values of course are not ours. The values are our Torah values. Torah values stood um, in stark contrast against everything the Greeks believed in. They believed in things that are physical. They didn't believe in metaphysical. They didn't believe in things that are uh, heavenly. To the Greek, everything is non-sacred. Everything is about the body. Everything is temporal. Everything is is physical, mundane, pedestrian, order, ordinary. It's pleasure, it's, it's in the now. In stark contrast to the Torah, which is totally metaphysical, and the Torah's idea of physical is not for the physical purpose, but only to sanctify it and to elevate it and to lift it. Exactly what you people are doing here tonight is a perfect example of what Torah values are. Yeah, we're having a se'udah, but look how Jews have a se'udah. Nobody's fressing and nobody's gluttonous over here and nobody's gorging themselves. You have a se'udah, but with the se'udah comes a shi'ur on matanat hainam, comes a pregame on iyun for an hour, and then you got a rabbi that's delaying the meal with another whole pilpul, and then maybe if you're lucky, they'll let you eat something. That's the way we eat. I mean, if this was a Greek event, they would have been done a long time ago. They would have been drunk under the table already. And uh, you might have been lucky. No interruptions by the Greek Seuda. Just entertainment and all sorts of amusements and all sorts of physical uh, delights. No entry of anything spiritual. That's the fight we have over here. It's not that we're against physical. It's just that our opinion was that the physical has to be for a purpose. It's purposeful living. And the, the Greeks said, that, what do you have to have a purpose for? It's uh, physical for the sake of physical. Enjoyment for the sake of enjoyment. It's olam And we have to say, yeah, it's olam but you have to figure out how to infuse olam into olam and then it's justified. That's the whole mahlokit. And that's, that's what we're fighting Now watch this. So we go to war against the Greeks. And the war is over. Now did you ever pay attention? The first thing we do right when the war is over, the Hashwanim run to the Beit HaMikdash and they start to clean the Beit HaMikdash and ASAP, as soon as possible, they light the menorah. And I'm asking, hold on, what's the rush? I mean, let's just talk mitziut. You just finished the war, you gotta be tired. I would assume they would say, okay, job well done, Rabbi Hananya. Everybody go home, take a shower, go have some donuts, go, uh, go relax a little. 
We're going to meet Sunday after the weekend. Bring your brooms, bring your Lysol, bring your uh, detergents. We've got to clean the bed, the Mikdash. A lot of, lot of work, to, maintenance to be done. We've got to re-sanctify it, re-consecrate it, and we'll do that uh, next Sunday. And then we're say, yeah, listen, uh, yeah, everything in its time. And here you see that the Hashwanaim were in a rush. They went straight from the battlefield and they make their way to the Beit HaMikdash and they can't wait. The first thing is, get them in Alit. What's going on over here? I'll tell you. Because what defines victory in this war? I mean, whenever you have a, a fight, first you have to define what has to happen for us to be victorious? And then when that happens, then you can claim victory. But it all, it all depends on your definition of what is considered victory. Now, if you're a Greek, victory is, well, the stronger army that wins, that's victory. Now, that's not the way we define it. And if we would have defined it that way, that we were stronger than you, so we beat you, I venture to say the Greeks would have won even though we beat them because then we're thinking like Greeks. Because if we walk off the field and say we were the stronger ones, we beat those guys. That's Greeks talking. That's the way the Greeks define the war. Who had the bigger muscle, who had the bigger tank, who had the bigger you know, uh, 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 attack, who was more aggressive, who had the bigger strategy. You're talking like them. So even if we won the war and we started to behave like Greeks, the Greek would have said, they might have beat us, but we got, we got in their brains. They're thinking like us and they're talking like us. That would have been a victory. So the victory was not on the battlefield. I would say on the battlefield it was pending. Pending to the next reaction of the Jews. And that's why immediately to finish the war, to finish the war, the war wasn't over on the battlefield for us. I mean, if you're a Greek, it ends on the battlefield. But for us, run to the Beit HaMikdash, and now light the menorah, which represents Torah values, recommit ourselves to the old tradition, protest against the Greeks, understanding that the world does not have a higher order, so the lighting of the menorah is the moment where the Jews can come along and say, now we won. Now we've put Torah first. Now we've put Torah back, into which the menorah represents Torah, obviously. And at that point, I have no doubt, the Greeks said, they got us. And that's why I think we say in the Alanisim, Al-Nasim is all about the war. It is, it, the purpose of Al-Nasim is not to talk about the miracle of the oil. That's not where we talk about it. And therefore, if we're talking about the war, give me the whole story. So the war is, and then what? The war wasn't over. The Aharkach. That Aharkach is key. Because if you don't tell me that Aharkach, you're skipping the main part of the war. And you know the difference that she says between ahare and ahar. Ahare, as she says, is much after, much later. Ahar is immediate. There's a difference between the two words. 
So Vaharkach, which is Ahar, which is immediately from the war front, bing, they went to the Beit HaMikdash. And that's why the Alanisim is giving us the completion of when the war was done. It was finished when the Menorah was done. That's how Jews celebrate a victory from Torah. When Torah goes back to its original position of importance, when the Torah goes back to its original place of Hashivut and primacy in our lives, that's the war. If that's the case, I understand the Prihadash very well. There's no better way to commemorate the winning of the war than to light the menorah. Of course, that was the moment where we were able to claim victory. So therefore, on the first night, when you shoot an arrow in the air, you shoot an arrow in the air, they won. Because now you're acting like them. Shoot a gun in the air, that's Yibani talk. And I might add, and this is just uh, for the op-ed page, and I know you didn't come to hear my opinions, but I think that there's no holiday that has been more misrepresented and more hijacked than Hanukkah. You wonder uh, in the modern world how commercialized and how Hellenized Hanukkah has become. I mean, not here. You don't feel it here. Here you feel, here you're right in the Shemin Zayin Zach. Here you feel like you're in the Beit HaMikdash right after the war. No, all present company excluded. But outside, when you hear in Israel that they call the, the Olympics the Maccabeah Games, Olympics, throwing javelins and discus, and you're going to use the name of the Maccabim or the Tzaddikim on a, on, a, on a Greek. And that's not as bad as putting the word Maccabi, which is Hashem, on a bottle of beer. Which clearly you can question the, uh, you know, did we get the message? The message is, That's the message of Hanukkah. Go back to the Beit Midrash, go back to the yeshiva, like the menorah, open the Gemara, and learn. My Hanukkah, the Tanura Banan. What's Hanukkah that the rabbi sat down and learned? That's it. It's as simple as that. And any other reaction of Hanukkah is a misrepresentation of Hanukkah. Because you see, that's the first thing they did. Something for the Hashim Tzadkaniyot. You know, the Gemara says ladies are obligated in the Menorah just as much as the men. If a man is not home, he can make his wife an agent and she can like the Menorah. And the question is why? It's a mitzvah tasseh, shazman geramah, it's bound by time. So the Gemara says, oh, they were part of the miracle. Hold it. Which miracle? Ladies didn't find the Pach Shemen. It was men that found the Pach Shemen. So which miracle are we talking about? The miracle is of the war. That they were in just as much Sakana during the war than we were. So look at this. Because ladies were in Sakana in the war 
it obligates them to light a menorah. What's the connection? But based on what we're learning tonight, the chiyuv of the ladies, because they were in the danger of the war, it gives them a chiyuv of lighting the menorah, because that was the moment where we were able to claim victory of the war. There's a connection between the two. Hanukkah has the element of mehadrin. You don't find this by other mitzvot. If you ask most people, what does mehadrin mean? I think they would tell you, doing the mitzvot in a hidur way. You know, doing the mitzvot in a, uh, a very, very nice way. But that's not the way that she explains it. If you look at Rashi in Gemara in Shabbat, Rashi says, Mehadrin Ahareha Mitzvot. What does he mean? People that are Mehadir, they pursue Mitzvot. He's actually learning the word Mehadrin from an Aramaic word, to return. You know, when you finish a Gemara, you say Hadran. Hadran means I will return. I will come back to you. I will pursue you again. So that she learns, Mehadrin is a nyan to pursue mitzvot. And I think it's very, very telling because we're commemorating Mehadrin on Hanukkah because that's exactly what the Hashwanaim did. After the war was over, they were Mehadir to go light the menorah. Not that they lit Behidur in a, in a nice way, but it was their attitude. They ran to the Beit HaMikdash. Mehader. And therefore we are also Mehader. And this kolel, Torah Shedema, is not just Mehaderin, it's Mehaderin mena Mehaderin. This is the highest level of pursuit. Where when you come to this event, you feel that they have their head on straight and they know what the priority is and there's no, there's no fat, there's no... Nothing has penetrated. As the rabbi who spoke in the beginning, the Rosh Kolel, the Soreg, there's no holes in this Soreg. Torah Shilema has patched up the 13 breaches in the Soreg. There's no influences. You don't feel that there's any foreign influences seeping under the, the door of this institution. And thank God, because not every institution has this purity, qualitative purity. And I know it takes a lot of uh, going against the grain and being different in order to reach this level. And Ashrechem, that you've chosen this path of non-compromise, this is Shemin Zayed Zach. There's no impurities and no dregs and no contamination. And you're so lucky, Avrechei Kolel, but your wives are even luckier. Because the Gemara says that whatever the Rabbis are involved in learning the wives are 50-50 partners in it. The wives share in this mitzvah equal. And it's a misirut nefesh for a lady to let her husband go and study all day. It's a misirut nefesh of time. It's a misirut nefesh of olam But rest assured, the reward will come. And especially to be connected to such holy avrechim, whether you're a wife of an avrech, whether you're a supporter of this, this is the real McCoy. This is the real thing. This is a very, very rare breed of institution. And therefore, what better on the night of Hanukkah 
when we come to celebrate not the victory on the battlefield, but the victory that was signified when you read the Al-Nisim tomorrow, read those words, I underlined it in my Sidur, that's the main line. We're not downplaying it. We're finishing the war front. Then what happened? Because if you stop Al-Nisim there, you stop mid... If you stop Al-Nisim there, we lost. And I conclude with the word Hanukkah. Hanukkah stands for two things. Hanukkah, which means they rested on the 25th, but Hanukkah comes from Lashon Hinuch, that they rededicated the temple. Well, make up your mind, which is it? And I think it's both. It's coming to tell you, when did they make Hinuch? When did they dedicate the Beit HaMikdash? Hanukkah, on the same day that the war was over, they dedicated the Beit HaMikdash. There was an immediacy between the physical victory and back to the metaphysical manifestation of Nerot. It is my blessing that Be'azrat Hashem, just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, made miracles for our people. Tonight is the second day of Hanukkah, what the Arizal said represents the Midav Rahum. Borei Olam should have mercy on us. And the Gezerot Hasbro Shalom, that were decreed, should be Batel, because God is El Maleh Rahamim, He's filled with mercy. And the Kaddosh Baruch should have mercy on all of those that are in attendance and those that support the Kolel and the Neshea Kolel and all the Rabbanim, Al Yisrael, Val Rabbanan, Val Tamidehon, Betamid Tamidehon, the Askin Boraitak Kadishtadi Batrahaden, that God should protect them in Bazat Hashem, just like the Hashmonaim were victorious and had great legacy. Their legacy will be Bazat Hashem as well. Yagdil Torah Vyadir, Lai Hudim, Aita Orabi Samha, Besasun Bikar, Amen Vayan.